All right, hi, welcome back to the Bears Cast. Uh, today we have uh Rick from uh, Rick from Dirty Cakes New Records on today. Hi there. Uh, yeah. So, Pavel, do you want to start? Uh, yeah. First of all, it's uh awesome to have you here. Uh, thank you. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, one thing I'd like to ask, like, just to start off, uh, like, what's it like working in the music industry? Like, oh my goodness, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's it's probably more fun than any other industry I've ever worked in, for sure, and more rewarding too. Uh, I've been sort of committed to working in the music industry since high school. And I've uh, been working in different facets ever since. So um, there are some jobs that are better than others, but all of them have been uh, rewarding, and I've learned from every job I've had. So I really like it. Yeah. I mean, like, the music industry is, like, a pretty interesting place because so many people are able to hear your work. I mean, you can say that about other things, but... Music, like, especially, like, it touches a lot of people. Yeah, it does. It does. It's really nice. Every once in a while, you'll get a message from a fan or from someone, and they'll tell you a story about how your music had played a, a part in their life somehow. And it just, it's really, it's really interesting and very uh, fulfilling to be able to, to, I guess, give back and not just take from society. Definitely. Would you say, like, all the fans that support you along the way are what, like, keep you going in the industry? Or is there anything else that, like, really makes you want to continue working down the path you're on right now? Well, I have, I sort of fell in love with music, again, when I was a teenager, and I just decided that that's what I wanted to do. So I don't know if there's any other choices for me so much <laughs> other than music and everything I do is just another step forward I mean who knows where the path is going it goes up and down every you know I've been you know working as a roadie and uh, or a stage manager and I've also been on stage in front of you know tens of thousands of people and both jobs are great they're just different you know what I'm saying yeah so, um, so when you were, like, I guess in high school and, like, working on music and stuff, like, back in the early days, was there, like, any position that you wanted to be at, like, in the future, music-wise? Yes, there was, actually. Before it was even a thing or before it was even invented, I wanted to be a digital audio engineer. Oh, wow. Um, back in the 80s when I was in high school, uh the older brother of the guitar player of the band that I was in uh, had a sampling keyboard, and I was just blown away by it. It was really cool. It was an Insonic Mirage, it was called. And so I was, I was in there, you know, slowing down beats and making trip-hop stuff before it was ever a thing. I was like, wow, that's really dark. That's really cool. And, and having fun with this 10-bit sampling keyboard. And I'm like, that's digital audio. It's the, that's the future. It's all going to be like that at some point. And so, that, like this is 1984, I think. Um, 
so that was when I decided I wanted to do digital audio and at least have that skill set right. as part of my, uh, you know, my future, <laughs> I guess. Mm. I've already been doing music and uh, learned how to play ukulele at an early age and my whole family was musical. So music was basically a given. It was part of life. Ooh. But I was really excited about the digital audio. Because having been in a big recording studio, I knew that having the ability to record whatever you want out of your house was going to be a game changer and that it was going to allow for a lot of people to be able to express themselves musically as opposed to just select few who managed to make it through into a big recording studio, you know? Um, so that is a good segue into the next topic I want to ask you about. Uh, has there any been like a piece of equipment that you ever worked with that you'd consider like your favorite or the easiest to work with for your like workflow? Oh, um, well, gosh, it really depends on what task I'm attempting. But uh, over and above everything else, Pro Tools is my favorite. I love mm. Pro Tools, and that's just that's software, and then all the other hardware that goes with it. But that a Pro Tools system is my favorite thing to work with. Um, I've got favorite guitars, favorite basses, <laughs> you know, favorite speakers, all that stuff. But um, but yeah, above and beyond everything else, I think having a Pro Tools system was a huge gauge game changer. Before I got so. Pro Tools. With um, with MIDI via uh, uh, you know, had a kind of what's a Commodore one twenty eight, <laughs> which is like a video oh. game computer. Oh yeah. And it had a cartridge in the back, and you like a game cartridge. You would stick in it like in the game cartridge slot, and in the back of the cartridge there was outputs for um, MIDI in and out, and it also had a SIMTI read in and out. So you could have basically one MIDI channel, one 16-track MIDI channel. And you could have, uh, then you could send Simpy to like a, a cassette. And then you could have uh -huh. seven channels of audio plus 16 different MIDI sounds. So that was that was before Pro Tools came in with digital audio and all that stuff. I was doing that. And, you know, any digital audio you had would have to be on a sampler. So I had a, I think I had a Kai S. 900, I believe it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, and then we ended up using, uh, for shoot for the Supreme Beings of Leisure, we ended up using uh, a really nice keyboard, um, and then Sonic, another and Sonic, by the way, EPS 16 Plus, and that thing basically was the soundtrack of like the late... 90s, early 2000s, because all the all the all the big bands were using those things, and we had a bass player who had one, and I ended up writing almost that whole Supreme Beings of Leisure record on that on that keyboard with the Mac SE30, believe it or not, <laughs> that I hot rotted and put an extra 30, I think, megabyte hard drive in it. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and nowadays, I'm doing Dirty Cakes with Charlie, and that's a whole lot of fun. Punk rock and we, Supreme Beings of Leisure is back together again too, so we're putting out a new record there too. Dirty Cakes oh. dropping a dropping a new video today. Oh, for uh, what song? Resist. Resist forty five. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was um like the other day I was showing or I don't want to say the other day, like a while back. Uh Pearl and I were listening to that song. Like before oh, we got into like the podcast. We got a we got a, a new recording we did with Dave Ketching, uh from Eagles of Death Metal out of his studio. Wait, you're working with Dave Oh yeah, that's actually really cool. Sorry. Yeah. Like I like Rancho de la Luna. Yeah, Rancho. Um, yeah. And he's great. And he's got the most amazing way to get drum sounds out there. He's just got this crazy, like, carnival atmosphere and all these toys all over the place. It's so much fun. Anyway, we recorded out there. We got a great new version of Resist. And I have a friend who's a video director who makes videos for Shania Twain and Mick Jagger and works with Dave Stewart from The Eurythmics and all that. And He's been a friend of mine forever and ever, and I put seven songs in one of his movies, so I said, well, don't pay me, just trade me for a music video. And we ended up, uh, ten years later, he ended up uh, you know, saying, hey, I want to do a music video for these songs. And so we ended up doing music videos with him uh, about, I don't know, a couple months ago. We, we tracked him and did everything uh, uh, for Photograph and for resist and the one for photograph we already released and the one for resist uh we should be releasing this this afternoon or this evening okay uh speaking of which uh do you know when your new album is gonna come out oh the whole album yeah oh, god um soon it's pretty much done <laughs> i'm <just laughs> waiting for little bits and pieces to come in like we were waiting for a guest guitarist to come play. Uh, Ernie C from Body Count, maybe, or oh, some wow. we wanted to play and resist because we wanted to get a little bit of, you know, I guess name cashier oomph in the track and have a little di- different perspective. But everybody's busy or doing something or can't get to the studio or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I ended up throwing a guitar lead on it myself, and and everybody's like, "Well, yeah, yeah, Rick can play guitar." <laughs> <laughs> so. So we're going to put that out there and we're going to release that one tonight. And we, you know, who knows, when we put the album out, maybe by that time Ernie from Body Count will be, we'll have some time and he'll be able to, to sub out my, my plinky guitar playing. Also, sorry, that just reminds me of something. Uh, Is there any artist, like guest speaker on any of your songs coming up? That you feel like was um, like a fantastic. Like, I don't want to say personal. Like, is there any guest appearance that you felt like fit the album really well? Like, well, having Dave, like, no, no, have Dave Catching help us produce the record was a big, a big plus because he's real familiar with the genre and the tones and all the, you know, every all the mechanics of making a record, a rock record. You know, yeah, having all the Queens of the Stone Age stuff and all the, you know, the Eagles of Death Metal stuff, and he's just, he's just a really, you know, amazing, supportive, wonderful guy to have around, and he knows that genre really well. It was a real bonus to have him working on the record, for sure. Hmm. So, uh, Pavel, do you have anything you want to ask? <laughs> you know, like, all this, I've been hearing a lot about you talking about people you work with and it's actually really interesting to me how many human connections music can like give people it's like obviously it's such a small world when you start doing this you know it really really is you you when you're out and about doing it out in the real world you realize that all these people are just they're just working and then you start meeting everybody 
you start like I was on tour. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I was a lead guitar player for the English Beat for I don't know twelve years, and we toured with so many amazing, like mind blowing. Like I pinch myself. I can't believe I'm standing standing here with these people, kind of people, and and uh, you're very very right. That's a great observation that that music really does bring people together, and and it's really. I mean, once you once you start doing it, it's really easy to just sort of to to meet all these just amazing people, and you start realizing that they're not just cartoon drawings or videos on a screen. They're actually real people that do work all the time, you know. And I love that. I, it was you know kind of a, a eye opener for me because you know you grow up idolizing your heroes and stuff, and then you start meeting everybody and realizing, well, those those people are just people that work their butts off. You know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, like, it's kind of, like, crazy to think that, like, I think a lot of people nowadays put people on, like, I heard someone, like, describe it as a pedestal where, like, we compare ourselves to other people. Now in the days of social media, comparing yourself to other people is much easier than ever and yeah, like yeah, you seem to forget that it's just people like us yeah well I'm, I'm really impressed with you guys you have a show you guys are doing doing your music thing and you know way more advanced than i was you know back in the day i was just trying to figure out a way to to get into a recording studio and learn how to record <laughs> well know. to be fair it's all about the resources available at the time. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Well, you guys have have uh, you guys got plenty of game. I, I gotta say, I gotta say, with all the new technology and everything going, you guys have much more, you know, solid grasp on all this stuff than me. I'm 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 slowly becoming that guy that I always made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah, um, it's crazy, like, cause like, within like, cause like, I remember like I would like looking to you guys and like other people that like we worked with slowly. And it's just crazy that when I started to put myself out there and like Pavel and I started to put ourselves out there, we just started to get more like traction, and I get to interview you guys, and it's just amazing. Well, it is amazing, but not surprising because of the way you guys approach it. I can tell you guys are very pro, and you really appreciate and love what you do and the music involved. So that that comes through, and and everybody appreciates that. So I'm not surprised you guys are doing well. <laughs> uh, any so, other questions? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so, is there any artists currently that you're listening to and taking inspiration from? Oh geez, um, yeah, always. Every time I turn turn on. The radio, or or look look through YouTube. I get new artists. I uh, I'm constantly getting oh new stuff from students that I work with because I was a teacher at Musicians Institute. Um, oh, I like it's new. Well, I I don't know. I'm a kind of an old school guy. So um, what would be new these days? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard for me to say. Like I, I, uh, I'm still wrapped. My I've got my head 
go deeply in the new Supreme Beings record and the new Dirty Cakes record, but I haven't been reaching out for new stuff. But I love, I love the stuff that people are doing with loopers. I hear like like oh. Andrew Bird does stuff with his violin, and I love that. That's from a few years back, but I did think that was amazing. Um, and then what do you call? Um, God, what is that guy's name? I can't remember names. Sorry, that's what happens when you get old, guys. Uh, one of my friends at school was in his band, even, and I can't remember him. It doesn't matter. Uh, there are people out there that, that inspire me, and I hear them. And when I hear them, I go, wait, that was really cool. Um, I really liked, you know what was funny? I really liked Schoolboy Q. Oh, wow. Rapper. And he sampled my guitar, and I got one of my students came in. He's like, "Mr. T, the uh, that that song you played me sounds a lot like Schoolboy Q." I'm like, "What's a Schoolboy Q?" And so he shows me, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's amazing!" And then he was a fan of my old band, so he sampled my guitar in one of his songs. Wait, Schoolboy Q? He sampled like one of your songs, one of your songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like you said, it's a pretty small world out there. Publisher and the publisher's like, yeah, we, we know. <laughs> <laughs> he sampled everybody. I'm like, okay, all right. So long as you guys got it handled. And then I find out that his manager is married to my old business partner. This is a small world you're talking about. And they call me up when they find out that I've been asking. And they say, can we invite you over to dinner? And so they made me like steak and lobster and told me the story about how he was a fan and how he... He liked it and sampled it. I'm like, whatever. He, you know, he makes amazing music, and like the stories that he puts out there are so cinematic and so so like real. You know, from the street, they're they're not. There's no pretense there. I really like what he's doing. So that's something. I don't know how new that. That's new to me and my universe. It's so crazy to me, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think it was crazy to you. Imagine what it was like to me to find a dude sample. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of which, do you have any other like stories similar to that that you would find like very like things that like have like stories of things that have inspired you in the future and like things of like just working with artists and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Well, not only just me, but. As a teacher, I get to see people who are beginning their journey as a as an artist, and I get to help them if if possible, hopefully help them on their journey. And it's great. It's like being an uncle and seeing your kid, your your nephew or niece up on stage when you see one of them up there with with you know some famous artist or or on tour with somebody or you know like we have we have one friend that's on tour with David Byrne. Uh, we're talking. Oh. And then we have another, gosh, uh, another friend who was with the guy. Who's that guy that goes, fuck you? You know that guy? Uh, oh, yeah, CeeLo Green. Huh? CeeLo Green, right, yeah. yeah. Another friend playing with CeeLo Green. And, like, just, like, it's, it's just neat to see that. So that's always inspiring to know that these aren't just pipe dreams to be able to think about yourself and, and imagine yourself in a music business doing music for a living. But they actually are reality if you work hard enough and you, you know, you, you know, are humble, at least somewhat, <laughs> about what you mm-hmm. do. 
and and uh, show up on time and make your boss look good. Um, make great music, really. That's the thing. Try and make the best songs. That's that's what I've learned more than anything else. And when I hear somebody writing great music, I can just tell that they're gonna they're gonna be fine as long as they don't implode somewhere down the line. That's always inspiring. Is hearing hearing new great songs. That's kind of what the whole industry runs on is new songs, you know. Like all the business people and all the marketing people, they're all great and fine, but they don't make the music. They need the music makers in order to exist. You know, so it comes down to people like you and me, I suppose, who just create. And we're the ones that that are the, so I guess, for lack of a better term, we're, the, we're what their stock and trade is. They, they, if we didn't exist, they wouldn't have anything to do. Maybe they'd sell shoes, who knows? <laughs> so, uh, Pavel, do you have anything you want to ask? So, earlier on, uh, during the call, you mentioned that, like, every step you take nowadays is, like, a step forward in life. Yeah. Do you think there's any sort of step that you've made in the past that's helped significantly to where you are now? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Significantly, what would be the biggest thing? I learned how to read a, a recording contract, and how I took a, a course in contract law, and that really helped, you know, keep me from getting into too much trouble in, in recording contracts, and to be able to deal with things without being reactionary <laughs> in the music business. I'm just on the business side of things. Um, on the music side of things. Uh, getting my first Les Paul was a big game changer. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a big like it. Like I've had, I had cheap, cheap and cheerful pawn shop guitars up until the time I was able to afford my first real guitar. And when I actually got my first Les Paul, it was like whoa, night and day. It was a big difference as far as what. Like I instantly, I was like fifteen, twenty percent better player just because the guitar was better set up and. It sounded better and responded better. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So that was the thing. Getting getting a good instrument. I mean, it didn't have to be a Les Paul, per se. Like, Just getting a good instrument makes a huge difference in the ability to put forth the music that you have in your head. Because if you have an a, a inferior instrument, it's that's going to hold you back. That being said, you can still, if you're, if you're a maestro, you can make music on anything. But... I have to say that was a big game changer was when I got my first real guitar. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, I zoned out for a second. Um, so, just out of curiosity, as of one bass player to another, uh, do you have like a favorite bass? I do have a favorite bass. Oh my god, I love my 1969 Univox High Flyer bass. Oh. I have that, and I took and I put a like sort of big brass bridge on it, and I moved it back about a half an inch, and I tuned it to B E A D because I like being able to fly around the neck, and at B E A D, I can play everything five frets up from where I would usually play it, and it makes it a lot easier. 
And then I can also go lower for that dark music. And Charlie, of course, plays down in drop C. So uh, that was, a, you know, that's my favorite bass. I may have maybe four or five basses. And that's my absolute oh. favorite one. It's short scale, even. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I was reading about short scale basses the other day. Oh. Because uh, like, I was looking into one. Not important, but uh do you have any other short scale bases i have a few yes i've got two hoffners i've got one paul mccartney hoffner that's got the english flag on it you know with the violin shape and i've got one hoffner that's a, a club it's called a club bass and it looks kind of like a les paul but all those are two amazing bases they get a great vintage tone because they're hollow bodies and they're short scales and uh, what else do I have? Um, short skills. I have, there's a, there's a bass that I sold to Charlie, uh, which was uh, a Burns Bison bass, I think it was. Oh, Burns Marquee. Uh, English Burns Marquee bass. And that's a mid-scale. That's 32-inch scale. And then I've got uh, a regular P bass, which I use for sessions and stuff for recording because it's a great recording bass. Um, and uh, I've got this jazz master jaguar kind of a thing that I built with a Telecaster bass neck that's I made long scale, and then I play that too. That's sort of that's sort of more like a PJ, like a like half P half jazz bass, but with a like a, a, a jaguar body and a and a big Telecaster bass because I like the way the neck feels. And when I bought it, the neck was fraud was broken so I had to replace the neck on it. So I like that one too. That was fun. Because people look at it and they go, what the hell? Is that? <laughs> what what the hell? Is that? Like, yeah. I made that. <laughs> I make Charlie's guitars, you know. Oh wow, wait really? Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah the blue that blue fiber telecaster thing and put that together for him and he's got a big uh hollow body all his baritone stuff, because nobody makes the baritones that he wants. So I ended up being, because I know how to make guitars, ended up cobbling them together. Not so much making them, it's sort of like piecing them together and then find, making sure that they played <laughs> well. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I made that blue one. And then, oh, uh, we got, we got um, one of my friends gave me a, a, a busted Dan Electro, which was fun. And I guess one of the guys from Queens of the Stone had just smashed it. He's like, here, you want this? I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And I took it and I fixed it with crazy glue and baking soda. And I basically made it. Yeah. Like I made it this acrylic out of crazy glue and baking soda and then sanded it all down and, and repaired this big smashed guitar. And that's the one we used in our photograph video. Was the, oh. The Dan Lecture we got from Queens of the Stone Age that I, I unsmashed. Okay. <laughs> So that was fun. There's, yeah, as far as basses go, that's got to be my favorite. The Hoffners are just amazing, too. But, but seriously, for, for the rock stuff, for their Dirty Cake stuff, that's the best. It's got P90s in it, the, uh, the Univox High Flyer. It's got these P90 pickups which have this snarl to them, which translates really well in hard rock and punk rock. 
And so mm-hmm. I think for that band, I think that's my favorite bass for Dirty Cakes. Yeah, that, that reminds me of another question I think I'm going to ask. Um, do you have any favorite, favorite like, production equipment things, like hardware, I'd say? Production equipment hardware? Yeah. Favorite things. To be honest, I could list all of the things that everybody lists that are amazing. But I can tell you right now that to make great music, you don't need all those things. They just help. Um, I have been really happy with my, it's crazy, but my M-Box, and I use this over my Pro Tools HD system too, by the way. I prefer it. My M-Box, what is it? Uh, M-Box 3 Pro, I think it's called. It's Firewire. There's a bunch of new stuff out, but this thing has been consistent and solid. I've never had a problem with it. Um, Oh my god, my Hassler Transnova speakers are probably the best monitors I've ever used in my entire life. In fact, I broke one. It finally, when the cap capacitors finally went out, and I've been using these uh, these new monitors that I bought from somebody, and I'm not getting the same level of mix. Like the mixes aren't sounding nearly as good as these old Hassler Transnovas. I've got the Transnova Eights, I believe they're called PR Eights or whatever they are. Those are amazing. Um, any other amazing gear? Uh, gear is basically what you make it. Just as long as you get good signal-to-noise ratio and and uh, you've got a couple good preamps. Like my neighbor came over and he said, here, man, you want to use this? He brought me over a PV uh, two-channel preamp. It's an all-tube microphone, vacuum-tube microphone preamp. I mean, it's not like some high-end thing, uh, uh, you know, that's real popular with the, the smart set or whatever, but it's a real two preamp, and it's got uh, EQ built in and phantom power and, you know, input pads and all. It works really, really well. So I use that whenever I'm doing vocal or anything that requires a lot of presence or, you know, sort of more delicate recording. Uh, and it also makes drums sound fat. It's so good. Oh, Neeboard, <laughs> by the way. If you ever have a chance to record, any, any recording you ever do on a Neve console is going to sound better than anything you've ever done in your life, pretty much. A Neve console? Yeah. Neve, Neve makes recording consoles, and they have for, for decades. And something about the way they, they run their electronics make those boards sound like all the best records you've ever heard. I mean, there's lots of great things about the digital consoles that are convenient and easy to deal with, but these old, like, they look like, you know, post-war, Cold War artifacts, these things. <laughs> like from a, from a nuclear power station in Russia, they're not real complicated, but Neve consoles are my favorite sounding uh, recording console. So that's, that's something to say, I suppose. <laughs> not quite, I'm not the gearhead. I'm not the full-on gearhead. I'm just, you know, I'm more of a producer. Like, I'll, I'm better at getting music out into the real world than about telling you all the specs of every microphone in my microphone drawer. You know? Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're coming from. That are much better at that. There's a guy I know named Brian Kehu who did all like he did this book explaining everything the Beatles used in all of their recording sessions, and the man is just he's he, you know super focused on that. He also had a band called the 
cookbook. I love yeah. brilliant guys like that. I love hanging out with genius level guys. <clears throat> it's awesome. You know, gives me something to aspire to. <laughs> I can be the smartest guy in the room. It's not a good place to be. Yeah. You always want you. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. You're like, oh, I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> but if you never want to be the smartest person in the room, aren't you making people who are smarter than you uncomfortable by being in the same room? Not necessarily. Not if you're not if you're listening and and being, you know, a, a generally decent human being. It's probably okay. <laughs> Do you have any other questions for Val? I actually had one that's kind of like weird and abstract. And so... well, I'm weird and abstract, so go ahead. All right, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> so, like, music is like a medium of art, and other mediums of, of art like are able to convey emotions and stories and other things. What do you think makes music as a medium like more like? better in some ways than other mediums of art. Like, obviously, there's no superior medium of art, but... (laughs) Right. If we're musicians, we have to say that, right? But, um... (laughs) I'd say that it... I have not had any other medium that, upon hearing or seeing or smelling something, has immediately like had such a, a heavy effect on me like when you hear a song that you heard when you first fell in love all of a sudden that huge rush of feelings comes in that happens with all sorts of other things too but i think music it happens much stronger you know mm-hmm. uh music the the melodies convey moods and tell stories by themselves it's like stories within stories the rhythms they 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 give you energy they tell you how you know how much energy is going on in the song. The chord changes, the complexity, it all ties in and, and tells a story without words. And that's what makes it kind of universal, is that you don't really need words mm-hmm. to tell a story with music. Um, that being said, when you do put words to the music, uh, you can really create some amazing artwork. I mean, like, how many, how many songs that are out there that you've listened to and just broke out into tears or couldn't stop dancing around the room or who you knows, you know, songs can do that. I mean, I've, I've smelled some good baking bread, but it's never brought me to tears. And I've, you know, seen some neat artwork again, but it's never made me want to dance around the room. So I think music is the strongest and has the most strongest emotional response of all the, uh, all the art forms I can think of. If that makes any sense. I think it makes sense, actually. Yeah. Another thing is probably that, like, since, like, maybe since music takes a little, like, less time to sink in, uh, because, like, the average song is about how long, like? Three and a half minutes because of advertising, you know? Yeah. And, like, people remember it more easily, so it's easier to make memories associated with music. Hey, maybe. Like, it, is, it is sort of designed to be, uh, you know... You know more of an instant gratification art form, I suppose. Especially pop music. Classical music is the other way around. That's deep. Classical and jazz music goes much deeper. But pop music is designed to make an impact in a, in a short period of time. You're very correct. Uh, before we continue, yeah, I thought I'd just mention, I know it's a little long, I just thought I'd mention this just in case oh, we get to this question. I thought for, like, every interview we did, we should ask, like, one question that's, like, 
on topic, but just like very like out of the blue. Okay. And I didn't label the question, so I might accidentally stumble upon it. All right. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't take your time. No worries. You can ask me anything. All right, uh, your turn. Or sorry, I don't know what I said. Uh, Pavel, do you want to continue? Um. Uh, yeah, sure. Like. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm talking to people. Okay, do you want me to just do you want me to ask the question? Uh, no, I think I actually have a few more that I might want to. Oh yeah, I, uh, you, I got all the time in the world. We got, I think Charlie's coming over in about fifteen minutes, and we're going to start working on uh, all the uh, paperwork and details for releasing that video today. So I got right. at least another fifteen minutes. <laughs> all right, sounds good. So uh. Yeah. I guess this will work. Um, did you ever like consider going into fields other than music? Because it seems that yes. a lot of your life. Yes, before music, I was really considering going. I had, I had loved marine biology, believe it or not. I was fascinated by the ocean and marine biology growing up in Hawaii. And I loved science. And I thought that that would be a career that I could really, really enjoy, would be a marine biologist. I would, I would like that. And then after that, when I was in school, I sort of dabbled in theater, and I really enjoyed the feeling of being on stage and performing, and I liked that aspect of it, so I thought about a theater career, but then there was sort of an epiphany moment when I was a senior in high school when I had a choice of following a theatrical path or following a musical path, and I chose the musical one because it allowed me to express my actual emotions and feelings in art as opposed to just interpreting somebody else's art, if that makes a, a sense to you guys. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I, I, I chose music over theater because I like being the creator instead of the interpreter. But I did want to be a marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> and I still might want to. I mean, what the heck? It's, you know, life's short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you know what? I think it's, I think it's a perfect, it's the perfect time to ask the like offbeat question. It's not offbeat, it's a random okay. question. I'm just gonna specify this now because yes. it's, I, because I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a good place to just say that. Okay. Uh, because it's supposed to be like a question that no one's prepared for. Okay. All right. Favorite Frank Zappa album. Favorite Frank Zappa, Mother's Live at Phil, or, um. Uh, oh, Joe's Garage. I have to say, okay, oh, wow. Joe's Garage my favorite. Oh, and that's that's awesome. I, I, I kind of memorized that album from front to back. And <laughs> listened to it for an entire summer with my friend Neil Ridgers from England. And, you know, I'd already... Mothers from Phil, Live at Fillmore was my first Zappa record, and then Mud Shark and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, Joe's Garage was, was a real pivotal moment in my Zappa appreciation. <laughs> it became real, like, the whole idea of music being controlled by an evil overlord and, uh, and all, of the, all of the sarcasm and all the humor and all 
amazing musicianship that went into that record is just beyond belief. It's so good. It is an amazing record. Yeah. 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 It's also weird because it's also one of the albums like most people like listen to for an entire summer. Right. Because <laughs> huh? you gotta listen to everything. You gotta memorize all those songs. Yeah. Notice I only sang it in German. <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly German. Yeah. Uh, favorite. Uh, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna continue this. Uh, no, you do whatever you want. It's fine. I was gonna say your favorite, just like Mother's album, compared to Frank. Well, like, uh, like I said, I already told you the Mother's. Album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Uh, so, Phil, do you want to ask another question? Hmm. Hmm? I'm trying to think of some good questions right now. Uh. So, like, I'm thinking about what you said earlier with, like, theater. You're interpreting the art. Yeah. And, like... At least that's what it was for me. You know, other people may have different experiences. But for me, yeah. that's what it felt like, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously, other people are going to have different, like, tastes in what kind of art form they enjoy the most. Absolutely. It's all, it's all relative to your own experience, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, we have time for one more question and then like a parting. Uh, yep. Last another question. Um. So recording up in the studio, right? Still there? I'll call it. <laughs> huh? uh, so it's recording in a studio. Do you have any like stories or anything that like is a good takeaway from recording an album and? You know, being with so many different artists and learning to produce. Like, is there any, like, giant takeaway that you feel like you've gotten from that? Yeah, just go and prepare it before you... Hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, go and prepare it. That's the biggest takeaway I could ever give anybody, is that you go into the studio already being really well-rehearsed, and get it done. You know, the recording studio is wonderful, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg if you're in a big studio to try and write your songs or figure it out in the studio. I mean, we're not all the people. So my biggest takeaway is whenever you go into recording studio, make sure that the whole band knows exactly what they're going to do. You know what order you're going to record everything in and how everything's going to proceed and how the production is going to happen before you get in there. Like, practice recording before you go into the studio, I would say. Make sure your songs are tight, make know your parts, and that everybody knows how the, how the, the process is going to happen. And that'll make everything a lot easier and everything a lot calmer. And, you know, people get, when they're creating, they get emotional. It'll keep that emotion from being fear because you'll know what's going to happen. It won't be any sort of fear of the unknown or insecurity involved. A much better idea to to practice to get ready before you go in the studio. 
All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Uh, next week we should have Becky on. Oh, cool. Okay. So if everything goes correctly, Becky Rack. I love Becky Rack. She's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I can call me on the phone. I'm gonna have to call my phone with you guys. All right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, okay. Invite. Huh? Okay. Invite. Yeah. Thank for thank you for coming. Uh, do you have any parting? Uh, not only have to say parting words. Do you have anything like on the show with people? Um, uh, you guys are in San Francisco, right? No, we're in New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey. Oh my God, I love New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Point Pleasant. I used to go out. We we go out to Point Pleasant and go shopping in those little, like secondhand consignment stores out in Point Pleasant. It's amazing. Yeah. And Asbury Park is cool. Yeah. No, I just say uh, any parting shots. Yeah, I, we love you, New Jersey. Thank you very much. And uh, and you know, three three cheers for the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. <laughs> <laughs> that's it and thank you guys again for inviting me on your show it was honestly a pleasure oh thanks man yeah, uh, definitely. if you need anything else if you have any more questions I'm always available okay alright All right. thank you of course okay cool thanks signing off alright All right. bye, bye. Uh, thank you guys for watching the show and um, see you next week yep <laughs>